If you're someone who has a passion for cut flowers, our environment, and wants to make the world more beautiful, you're in the right place. Whether you're growing flowers for pleasure or profit, I'm on a mission to empower flower enthusiasts and professionals to help change the world around them. Whether you're just starting out and need a helping hand, or are looking to scale a substantial flower business, I'm your cut flower woman. Welcome to the Cut Flower Podcast. Hello, and today I am really honoured to welcome Helen Cross. And the wonderful world of Instagram has introduced me to Helen. Um, Helen, welcome. Do introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and what you do. That would be lovely. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you very much, Rose, for for inviting me onto the show. It's really exciting. I'm I'm normally on the other side of the the microphone, so this is quite novel. I'm quite excited. Um, so I am Helen, and um, I'm up here in Glasgow. I'm a mum of three, and um, a bit of a cliche that during lockdown I became really, really passionate about gardening. But actually, I think possibly the seed was sown way before lockdown. I grew up on a farm on the southwest coast of Scotland, which my my family still farm there as well. But like many people who grew up in rural communities, once I hit the age of 17 and university loomed, I could not wait to uh, break loose and escape all that freedom and head to the city. So I've actually, since the age of 17, I've only ever lived in cities despite having grown up in such a rural place. So I've been in Glasgow and Edinburgh and London and now I'm back in back in Glasgow. So I now um, host the podcast Grow, Cook, Inspire. I encourage children, parents and families to, to grow their own, to grow cut flowers as well and to take what they've grown and take it into the kitchen because I think for me, gardening... The garden and the kitchen are very much, um, they go hand in hand. And I think that often gets gets overlooked. And I'm also really passionate about talking about the, the benefits of gardening and cooking for our mental health. Because I think at the moment for for everyone, but children especially, we're, we're in a bit of a mental health crisis at the moment in the UK and, and globally for that matter. We definitely are. We definitely are in a crisis. I'm sure there are lots of crossovers. My daughter is a trained to be a psychotherapist and a counselling and mental health. And I can't tell you, I talk to her quite often about the increase of adolescence and child mental health is massive. And um, we talk about quite often about gardening, getting outside, but all of that is part of cooking or, you know, both gardening and cooking and growing cut flowers are all activities which require you to be in the present and require you to be engaged in what you're doing at that very moment in time. You can't be thinking of all the other worries you've got in life because you've got to do what you've got to do in that moment in time. And I think that's probably why it works so well on mental health is because it's in the present and not in the past and not in the future. So it's... Exactly. And I think it's just because we've become so disconnected and this has been talked about lots and lots and I don't want to reinvent the wheel, but we have become so disconnected with nature and just taking that time just to be outside. You don't even have to be gardening. You just have to be outside to be honest yeah and just away from screens work pressure life generally um and we're we're human and like naturally we're meant to be in nature yeah we're not meant to be connected to to computers all the time ironically despite the fact that we're talking to one another on a computer it's given us opportunities but it also 
I mean, there is a moment in time when you just need to go outside and just, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as a flower farmer, I spend an awful lot of time outside. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. But I've, I've done a lot of studying and, and a lot of teaching during COVID as well about and coming out of COVID. And that, that was a great opportunity in some respects for for, for more people. I mean, something like 7 million people took up gardening since COVID. So at least it's on the agenda and you must have seen it too. Um but tell me about inspiring children. What do you do? How, how are you doing this? Well, it's funny because I don't have I'm not, I don't have a horticultural background. I actually studied history uh, at university and specialised in European feminism. Wow, okay. <laughs> uh, and I always wanted to work in media and write, and that was my true my true love. So I actually ended up going and working in media for for sixteen years. But it was after I had my three children who are they're very little still they're seven six and three and it was really during the lockdown I was like wow these kids I I grew up in the countryside so I have always known where my food comes from and I don't think it's until I came out of that situation and was living in an urban environment locked down and I realized that my kids are not going to get the same experience that I had growing up but when you're growing up you take that for granted and it's only now 38 I'm like gosh what a privileged opportunity that was and I'm really keen for for children wherever they live whether they're in the middle of London middle of Glasgow wherever I want them to know where their food comes from and to be able to actually to grow their own and it's it's not this magical mystical art it's quite straightforward as well and you don't have to have a degree in horticulture or study at Kew or whatever it should be accessible to everybody so that's that's my main passion and my main drive at the moment and aside from my my sort of media work I I volunteer at our school and we started a group called the Netherly Budding Minds um during lockdown and it has just really captured the imagination of the kids it's just been it's just really lovely to see them to see them grow as well there's certainly more going on in schools um somebody who used to work for me actually um, we, we did a course together in the first down lockdown and she, she fell in love with teaching. She, was, she is a horticulturist and fell in love with teaching. And her teaching, the way she taught was amazing. And actually she's gone full circle and then's now gone into schools and become a teaching assistant. Because she realises that actually what she really loves is imparting knowledge to children because she has two children of her own who go to the same school. And I had an email from her today saying, right, Rosa, we're going to do this garden. I've decided we're doing this sensory garden. I'm going to be growing things. Have you got any seeds we can have? I went, yeah, absolutely. Just tell me what you need and we'll sort it out. So the whole sort of education schools and sensory gardens and vegetable gardens and growing, fortunate if we could get it in at that level, at school level. I think, yeah, it's hard because I think people think it's got to be all or nothing, that we've all got to be outside all the time and we should either be a forest school or we should just all be very academic. But I think that's where we've lost it a little bit. We don't all have to be doing this all at once. It's just sort of making it more stream, just like brushing our teeth. But we, we've we lost that. And I just want, you don't have to be a vegan to save the planet. No. You don't have to, like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's just little things you can do. And because kids don't know any different, they're going to learn super quickly as well because they're not undoing lots of things that we perhaps learn as well. Um, I was speaking to Charles Dowding earlier on this week and he's just brought out a new book. Um, yes, the for no children. Dig- yeah, for children. And he said that. He said, children have known no difference. So why would they start digging the ground to, to grow things if they could just put down cardboard and, 
and respect the soil that way. So I think it's just about getting it part of mainstream society and not making it all or nothing. Yes. Yeah. It's what I think. And just putting a bit of importance on it because there's more to just like growing carrots. It's actually you're giving children life skills and also horticulture in itself could provide you with lots of career opportunities in terms of science and biology and botany and and food production and cut flower farms. You might have, you might inspire the next Roz. Who knows? I hope so. (laughs) That would be my absolute dream. I mean, I have some students working for me. And what they started when they were 15 and they're now 19. And then one of them went off to Cardiff University and he was going to do a maths degree. You know, his family, that's what he'd been taught to do a maths degree. And so off he went to do a maths degree, but he'd spent the summer here working outside and actually quite enjoyed it and couldn't quite get his head around the fact he quite liked being outside because he's never really experienced being outside very much before. And then off he went to Cardiff University to do maths. And at Christmas, he came back again to work for me again. And he went, Ross, you know, I really like being outdoors. I really do. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, well, you really need to evaluate what degree you're doing because maybe maths isn't for you, Elliot. And there was me sort of sidelining, going to do horticulture. And um, <laughs> then he came back in the summer and he said, I've swapped. I've swapped courses. So he's now gone back to do his first year again. I said, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's actually going to do archaeology. He said, because I love being outside and I love being walking and I love being in nature. And I thought, brilliant. So somehow just by doing more with me has inspired him to do something he would not in a million years have thought he was ever going to do. Um, so the other student I've got is doing engineering. We've still got to convert him yet. But, <laughs> but just doing gardening, just doing more gardening. They've learned so much. They didn't know how to grow anything. And it's like you say, you don't have to be all or nothing. I, I think it can be growing tomatoes in pots or potatoes in a dustbin or... You know, anything it doesn't have to be all or nothing. We teach people to grow cut flowers in containers at, at the back of their back doors. Or totally. I've had a woman on my course historically who lived in Brentford, um, and on the top of her apartment block, the council had given them raised beds, and she had one raised bed. So all she had to grow vegetables and cut flowers, amazing. What she did with that one raised bed was like a lesson. And it, she said it transformed her whole life to run up there every day and think, oh, it's coming up today, and I'm going to pick this and that. And she'd never done it before. So it doesn't have to be a farm. Stay with us. We'll be right back. A small business. Do reels get you reeling? Is SEO just a three letters put together? Content planning something you know you should be doing, but just never get round to it? Do join our growth club online. What is it? It's a supportive community. It's all about growing your business. It provides trainings and guest speakers join us every month. Is it time to work on your business and not in it? The link for more information is in the show notes. No, definitely not. And I love that. That woman probably had never had any experience before. She's now cultivated something and it's changed her life as well because it does, it's meant to be joyful. It's meant, and it will have a positive impact on, on your life completely. I've, I married into a family of um, doctors and some stress. I brought the I brought the gene pool down um, and some of my best friends are doctors and even them, especially over lockdown, have become really obsessed about their gardens. But it is their 
it's their medicine. They they go out there and they can switch off and they can forget about everything else that's been happening in the ward the day before. So, yeah. I I did a talk last week to the NHS, um, North West London Health Authority, and they have a wellness programme. And I did a sort of hour session over a lunchtime and they they attend this webinar and it was doctors and anesthetists and surgeons and nurses and admin and all of that, the whole, across the whole health service. And they're stressed, but none of them really understood that they just have to do a little bit. It doesn't have to be massive. And just come home and plant a few seeds and just give it a go. Um, totally. So it's about it's getting true. that message. Yeah, it is. And it's the same, like, if we could have, it would be lovely if you had a magic wand to have a garden in every school. And likewise, if you could have a garden in every hospital, because yeah. hospitals are really stressful places and they're so clinical. So they don't really lend themselves very well for de-stressing no. <laughs> the way they're built. No. Um there's some real carbuncles um, with no green space that have been built in sort of brownland development sites. So yeah, there's there definitely has to be some thought, and it, it could be it could help the NHS as well because it's not going to solve people's problems, but it can complement other things. Like it can complement CBT and it can complement um, antidepressants as well. And I can hold my hand up and say. I I have been on that other side and I've been down that dark tunnel and really dark. gardening. Yeah, yeah. I was in a really dark place. I suffered from postnatal depression after the birth of my first, and I had postnatal depression. Well, depression during the pregnancies of my second two children, and sadly during lockdown, my husband was working as a GP. I had three children under five at the one point, and I went into a really dark, dark place, and that's when my garden came into itself as well as cbt as well as cetraline but um i think without the garden i probably wouldn't be here talking to you today to be honest so i think there definitely is some good in it oh it's massive <laughs> so, more and more have i started researching about mental health and gardening you know having a daughter who does psychotherapy and of course the reason she does psychotherapy is because she was an anorexic when she was 14 and 15 and 18 and 21 and so I've kind of been down a similar path um, and therefore the whole link between the two I'm really, really passionate about. And I've interviewed people like Alistair Griffiths, who's a scientific <laughs> yep. officer at the RHS, and he's got 120 scientists right now in a five-year study working out the correlation between mental health and gardening. Massive, wow. really massive. And then people like Sue Stewart-Smith, who wrote The Well-Gardened Mind, and that was all about, and even reading that was all about people in the wars and about how they grow flowers in trenches and I thought what they grow and because you forget that they were there a long time and through a season and kind of a trench for me just meant they were there just for that short period of time and then you start to think my goodness these people actually have gardens in trenches and that kept them going and then this morning I interviewed Marianne Boswell who's who's an absolute sustainable garden and 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 a real guru about but her background is still about creating gardens to help people's mental health. So she talks about how you build different um, things in gardens to, to, to stimulate people and how, you know, working with prisoners in some areas has been able to create this. I mean, the whole thing is so massive that this community, I think, is coming together much more together. And I'm passionate about the fact that how, how can we make this into something big? You know, how can you, how can you inspire children 
at the beginning and get them right in early days? How can we get them to do no dig gardening by Charles Dowding? How can we get them to grow? How can we get people to grow vegetables and flowers or anything or just walk in nature and accept the environment? And it's the whole thing is, I think, as a community. And Instagram is probably doing that. It's bringing people together. Yeah, I think Instagram is for all its sort of woes and terribleness. <laughs> yeah. and that's I think the gardening community is slightly different. Um, it has brought people together. And I've seen inspirational people like yourselves and lots of other people. And it's right because you sometimes think, oh, gosh, I think gardening can help people. And I wonder if there's anybody else out there. So it's about joining the dots to get together and starting a revolution. That's what we need to we do. We need to start a revolution. I think it's about time yes. for a revolution. Should we have a long one? Yeah. yeah, totally, totally. Definitely all for a revolution. But you have a podcast, Helen. Tell us about your podcast. So, yeah, my podcast, Grow, Cook, Inspire, that was started um, during lockdown, actually. I was working with a really good friend of mine, Lucy Calder, who runs Kilduff Farm in East Lothian, and they specialise in growing culinary pumpkins. And uh, (laughs) Yeah, and they actually now, um, due to my wonderful inspiration, um, I convinced them to grow uh, dahlias alongside their pumpkins (laughs) last year. So we had a cut flower patch around the outside of the pumpkins and it was just oh it was amazing it was a uh, and that provided so much joy to the visitors to the pumpkin patch uh, that was really interesting to see so they're, they're going to do that again this year as well but yeah so the podcast came about with my work with Lucy and she actually said oh why don't you do a podcast and you love talking to people and sharing stories and uh with a sort of journalism background, I do. I love that. I love meeting people. I'm really nosy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I love my podcast. Yeah. yeah. So and you do, you meet lots of wonderful people and that you wouldn't necessarily get to speak to. And then you share their wisdom and their stories with other people who wouldn't necessarily have got to, to hear their stories. So it's, I do it as a bit of fun, to be honest. And, uh, but it's been, it's been fantastic. And I've learned a lot along the way. And I've been lucky enough to interview some really wonderful guests from the world of food and gardening and farming, actually, because all three of them are are linked together. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been good fun. I love it. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Who's been your favourite guest? Go on then, but we won't tell it. We won't keep it our secret. We won't tell anyone. I don't know. Um, so one of the, the most popular one that I've had last year was with um, Alice Fowler, the, the gardener and garden writer um, oh. for The Guardian and uh, she's a real sort of she's yeah she's she's really good really really good she's written a lot of books uh, her most recent one was called Eat What You Grow uh, but yeah she's really into sustainability and wildlife um, I've also interviewed Frances Tophill a couple of times who is really lovely and um, I love her most recent book The Modern Gardener that's a really lovely book and also um, her wildlife gardening book as well that she brought out last year. This week I interviewed Alice Vincent um, who is an author and a writer and she's just about to bring out her third book which is a bit it's not really a gardening book it's more a sort of nature memoir type book it's called Why Women Grow and um, okay. it's a lovely book she interviewed 45 people and really got underneath the soil so to speak to find out why it is they garden um, so she's been really really good uh, so yeah there's been lots of interesting people I've been really lucky <laughs> well I'm gonna look all of those up but it's interesting I, I was just thinking about why women grow is a really good actually it's a really good title for a book um, 
I, I wrote a very uh, simple book during COVID. Well, it kind of, I set off to write a cut flower garden book, but it never became a cut flower garden book. It was called Seed to Vase. And what it was, was it's the stories of people who grew cut flowers. Yeah. So what inspired them to do it and how their lives were changed by it. And I started to realise and was quite humbled by it that actually it was about their lives. It wasn't about the gardening. Gardening was a conduit and it could have been anything. It could have been baking or it could have been something else creative. It just happened to be gardening, which was helping them. And some of the stories of their lives, you know, some of them had traffic, tra- tragic things happen during COVID, as, as you would expect. And it allowed them to have an outlet. And, and I, I'm still humbled today about how people... Um, still send me emails or they'll write to me or they'll drop me a line and say, you know, oh, you know, the talk you gave on Friday was inspirational and it's allowed me to get out this weekend and get going and because this has happened in my life. And you think, whoa, hold on a minute. Let's just, you know, bring it all back to, you know, people's lives are really quite challenging in some ways. So, and I love the title, Why Women Grow. I can't use yeah. that one. I have to think of another one. <laughs> She's got a podcast coming out as well of a similar, of the same Cashy. title. Yes, <laughs> totally. But I should be taking royalties. I should be taking some. Projects. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to look up. I'm actually going to look up your your. Um, I'm going to write them down. I'm going to talk to them. That's what I mean. That's what this community is about, isn't it? Totally. And that's the thing about sort of going back to mental health and gardening. It brings people together. That perhaps people of different generations as well, and reduces yes. that feeling of social isolation. I think that's what we found, especially during lockdown, because. You were at home and you you might spend more time talking to your neighbours over the garden fence. Um, I mean, I was so grateful to have the, the, young, the young couple that lived beside us because I was seeing them every single day across the garden fence. <laughs> and they got into gardening as well. And it's just sort of like sharing knowledge and imparting that knowledge is, is crucial for everybody to keep learning as well. So definitely. We think we have to take that forward, don't we, over the garden fence? It makes me remember that's exactly what I did. And because yeah. our neighbours tend to go to France quite a lot during the summer. And of course, that, those years they couldn't go to France, so they were here. And so they built sort of fruit cages and grew lots more vegetables and we shared a lot more. And we, you know, we'd give them flowers and they'd give us vegetables. And then, um, and you have to keep remembering that. Like, you know, like yesterday I was out there and I saw him out there. It was a bit of a shock. It was like, oh, we should have just carried on having a weekly meeting or something. So it's kind of like... So true. Our pumpkins would grow over their fence, so so they benefited from a bumper pumpkin harvest that year. <laughs> it was fine. They didn't mind. <laughs> they didn't mind at all. So yeah. And I noticed you've got a book as well. Tell us about it. writing a book is not easy. I would tell you know that as well. Just tell me what your process was and how you got there. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The new Plants of Distinction Autumn Catalogue is now available and contains over a thousand different flower and vegetable seeds with over 150 new and exciting varieties added this year alone. Cut flowers in an extensive array of individual colours are a speciality and added to this are many unusual annual and perennial seeds together with the hard to find heritage favourites. So if you're looking for something a little different be it choice cutting flowers suitable for both fresh and dried arrangements or cottage garden and container growing varieties, you need look no further. You can download or request a copy of the new autumn catalogue by visiting the website plantsofdistinction.co.uk where an exclusive 30% discount is available to all podcast listeners 
when ordering seeds by using the discount code CUTFLOWER30. Good question. So this has been quite a long, drawn-out process. I think having three small children and then a global pandemic and being a bit mad in between all of that. So I started it in 2020. (laughs) Coming to the end, I'm almost over the finishing line. And I'm doing it entirely myself. I'm self-publishing it. I'm working with a really, a good friend actually, who's also a neighbour, but she's an incredibly fantastic um, illustrator who's done some really great work for actual established authors. So her name is Ruth Craddick and it's it's called Grow, Cook, Inspire. And it is, it, the tagline is creating a healthier environment and a healthier uh, mind. And I share my own experience um, with my mental health struggles. I also talk about how to grow things with children and family and how it's not rocket science. And there's tips to create wildlife-friendly gardening, recycling things and there's also recipes so with every ingredient that we grow I give a recipe or more than one recipe um, so that you're actually taking what you grow from home and taking it into the kitchen so it's a bit of everything it's probably aimed at families anyone working with children um, to share with children and just just again just to highlight it's not rocket science anybody can do it if I can do it then anybody can do it but uh it's it's been quite a draw. I've enjoyed it and I've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, self-publishing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. So that should be out sort of early spring. All going to plan. <laughs> all going to plan early spring. You let keep us posted when it's out. I will. Yeah. Yes. And then yeah. um, people will know where to get it. But self-publishing is is a journey, but it's it's way to do it, isn't it? Because go and get a publisher and publish a book is. Oh. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, my background is in media and PR. So, and I think historically, self-publishing was sort of looked upon as a bit, well, you obviously can't get an agent. That's right. (laughs) So therefore, your book must be not that great. But actually, I think it's now sort of, it's not looked upon that way at all. That's what I'm telling myself. No, it's not. It's a quick way to market. A quick way to market. Um, I think going with, I mean, I've looked at both routes and going with an agent has its challenges. You know, and um, I, I've, I've self-published twice now and I would do it again. I would certainly do it again. You know, maybe my next one's on mental health and gardening or, or the stories of people out there who are doing work in mental health. Watch this space, mental Yay. health and gardening, something around that. Um, don't know, going to have to think. I, I, I'm quite inspired by so many people I talked to on the podcast that it would be great to sort of bring it all together in some way. Totally. There's definitely something in that, definitely, in terms of therapeutic um, gardening and how we can bring that into the into the NHS more generally. I think there was something that was lined up for March of this year, but maybe cut. Don't quote me on that in terms of funding, yeah. because obviously we are living in a really difficult time, and I can understand why perhaps gardening is. I think that's the the obstacle we have in schools is well, gardening is going to be the first thing to go. To be honest, because we need to be able to teach our children how to read and write, which I totally get. Um, but it doesn't have to be expensive either. That That's the thing. It really doesn't. Seed swapping, packets of seeds, working together, working with seed companies. It doesn't have to be. Absolutely doesn't have to be. Um, and people are willing to help. Yes. And and these companies benefited a huge amount during lockdown. Oh. They must have done. They must have done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shares in them. <laughs> they couldn't cope with the demand. 
That was the biggest yeah. thing on anything to do with gardening, whether it was compost or seeds or tools or polytunnels or anything, couldn't get any of it. Get any of it. Totally. And I think even with kids and cut flowers, you might actually, because when you're growing vegetables, it's quite difficult because in a school curriculum year, by the time the kids go off on holiday, that's when the sort of harvest is happening. Whereas yeah. maybe with flowers, actually, um, you get you get flowers quicker. Do you know, and especially with cut and come again. So actually this year I'm hoping to do a cut flower patch with the kids so that we can sell the flowers to the local community. Because um, during lockdown, my kids and I, we would we set up a little sort of stall in our front garden and we sell we sold jam jars of flowers and we would uh, we would drop little jars on friends and neighbours as well just because it brought them a bit of joy and it, it gave us something to do. <laughs> Keep me posted if you need seeds or anything, or yes. you need some advice or you need plans, cutting patch plans or anything. Because yeah. um, I have a software planning tool and you know you can develop a cutting patch with that and and seeds I've seen all those boxes behind me are full of seeds yeah yeah oh, <laughs> so, amazing. Amazing. so just shout I'm more than happy oh, to we're, we're holding off for a few a few more weeks because we're just in Scotland it's no, so cold don't do it and don't sit do on it. my hands sit on sit your hands, hands. <laughs> do not do anything I keep shouting and shouting to people don't do it don't do it and they'll go no I thought I might plant some seed no no because actually there's no advantage of doing it and you're just wasting your time. Um, we all got COVID last March. Oh. And so we're all locked in the house for however many days. And I was like, right, well, we'll just sow all our seeds. And actually, my kitchen was then covered in seeds. And uh, they went leggy. And I lost so many because we couldn't get them outside. So, yeah, especially in Scotland. I spoke to the team yesterday and I said, I'm gonna, we're going to do an experiment. I said, I want you to choose three hardy annuals. And um, and I want you now to, um, or half-hardy annuals as well, and I want you to plot them up, pot them now, and I want to pot them in February, and I want you to pot them in March, and I want to see the difference. And that will prove it. We'll do an experiment and we'll prove it. Sit on your hands and don't do anything till March. Yeah, I'm going to do that as well. That's a good idea. <laughs> a good show. Yeah, it, they'll all catch up. It will be absolutely fine. So it's yeah, absolutely totally, fine. Totally, totally. So tell me who inspires you to keep going. This is, I mean, it's a journey you're on now, aren't you? You've created this um, journey. Yeah. <laughs> who inspires me? I guess the kids. I know that sounds a bit of a cliche, but yeah, I think I was, because I didn't, I, I stopped work when they were very little and I was quite, then I realised I've always worked and I, this is a bit odd, although being a mum and working is a job, but you just don't get paid for it. So I, I, I think they do inspire me to keep going and I want the, I want to be a role model for them as well. And, yeah. um, and that's the thing, you might, kids might not do it all the time because they've got really short attention spans. But if you plant that seed early on, it's a bit like any sport, like especially with, with girls, actually, if you get them playing sport early on in life, they're more likely to come back to it later on in life, I think. Yeah, because um, at the time got, they're like, ugh. Well, that, oh, so this is just so hard. I've I've started planting seeds with my two, because both, both my two live in London and they don't really have gardens. But one of them lived in an Amy Winehouse, uh, Amy Winehouse uh, as part of her foundation. She had, the, there's a building in East London which houses people who have women, you have to be between the ages of 18 and 30, 
who have suffered anorexia or an addiction of some sort. Could be anything. And you have a free flat on your own, and but they have a garden. And it's in a beautiful place and it's and they don't pay any rent and it's in part of Hackney Council. And my daughter had one of these flats and we did a project in the garden. We did a project. Of, and, and at first, you can imagine these 18-year-old girls. Oh, what seeds in a garden and it really was weedy and the whole thing was a disaster. But you can inspire and it might not happen now for them. Oh, totally. Ten years' time, they might think, do you remember when we had those gardens and those seeds and we planted those and what did we do? And it grew in those pots. And So it's the same with children. Like they are, like lots of people I teach, they say, oh, well, the reason I took your course or I'm doing that, Ros, is because I go out in the garden and I'm going to work with my children and they're going to help me dig and grow things. And I think, no, they're not. You're going to go go out and they're going to play with the worms and that's fine. And then they're going to get bored a bit because, like you say, their attention span is not there. But they will... They will grab it eventually, and they'll be inspired well, by it. Well, like my my three laugh. Even my youngest is only three. I mean, they do occasionally sit and watch a bit of Gardener's World with me on a Friday night if it's not on too late, and yeah. they know that I've got a crush on Monty Dawn. And they were like, oh, "You really do love Monty Dawn, don't you, Mum?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, you know." <laughs> so I'm aware of that, so they're definitely switched on. <laughs> yeah, so they, you know, it's interesting to see how that develops, isn't it? About when you're introducing it, there. and the other tools you're giving them is in is if you believe in something enough, you inspire them to go on and do it. Yeah, you have totally. enough energy to start something completely new that you hadn't done before. You did something with no training. You had no horticultural background. Neither do I. Neither do I. I have no horticultural background. I've never taken a course in my life, oh, and. Wow. I think that's what they learn, that actually it's possible to do anything. Why can't I just do that? It's, and it's the doing. It's actually learning by doing. And I think that's what we've sort of, we've got lost that a little bit as well. Like we've got to have qualifications for everything and we've got to have like an online course and this and on. And if anything else, that costs quite a lot of money for people as well. Yeah. Um, so it's about making it accessible, I think. Um, yeah, and just getting on with it. Totally. <laughs> my, my course last year, my Seed to Vars course last February, Scottish government actually funded 50 people to come and do it. So I had 50 Scots on my course. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, that were funded by the Scottish government for the idea that they would learn uh, over an eight-month period everything about growing. And then they would either, they would turn it into, if they could, if they wanted to, turn it into a career and do some horticultural or try and sell something and then become more sustainable and economical and all of those sort of things. So there's definitely some movement there as well. So more about that. I'd be keen to, to hear more about that and to hear more about those people as well, because yeah. it's although the garden community is great, you don't it's sort of it's very southern, like there's lots yes. of southern English accents. There's not many sort of Scottish accents in that sort of community as well and we do have a very different climate up here huge um, and that's what we learned we learned you know and we had people on the course right from the islands all the wow. way down to the borders and yeah. um and everything in between and they they coped and we and we we coped by saying you know you're three weeks behind at least but they had a lot of advantages we didn't have so when we're in massive drought and we're watering all the time they weren't in so severe you know the different nuances and it was amazing but yeah that was um so I'm hoping, and, and Wales as well, because Wales, they'll fund in Wales as well. Lantra Wales and Lantra Scotland have their own individual pon- uh, pots of money, and some of it is towards horticulture. You can, England is much harder, actually, to get the funding. Using Wales and Scotland is easier. Um, 
So, yeah, we're still working with Lantra on that. And I just spoke to the Welsh Lantra yesterday. And it's all fun, you know, it's the funds, whether the funds come through or not. Yeah, I know. It's always dependent on money. <laughs> I need to start playing the lottery, Ross. I do. I do the lottery every week. I've, you know, yeah. I do the lottery and the Euro Millions. And I kind of think, what would I do if I won all that money? I've got loads of ideas. And every so often my mind races with all I do with all this money. But um, I haven't won yet, so I think I'm still going to keep doing it. But, yeah. Okay. It makes you happy, though. <laughs> <laughs> so what comes next? You've got this book coming out. You've got your podcast you're doing. What's what? Or if you look back a year from now, what's next? What would you be looking back on? I would love to be doing more with schools. I love the idea of sort of doing more down a horticultural educating role. If There's not such a thing really in Scotland. It's much more a sort of English thing. Uh, I would love to go to schools and do more with them and just um, spread the word and just get kids growing and cooking and just seeing the change in them. I think that's the really lovely thing because I've had kids where they perhaps normally would be really quiet in class and um, quite reluctant to sort of get involved. And I've seen them just come out of their shell and their teachers say, I've never seen them behave in this way ever. This is incredible. Wow, what what have you done? Yeah. <laughs> I've not done anything. I've just given them an opportunity that hadn't that they were not chained to the desk because they're not chained to desks. But I've just um, made it fun for them, I think. I think that's the key. So yeah, definitely some some more things um with uh, with gardening in schools i'm also helping a charity called aspens which is based down in kent um so a wee bit far away from me but they have been supported by project giving back and have a garden designed by camellia taylor that will wow. be at chelsea flower show wow. in may yes i saw something yes so so I'm help. So Aspen's supports children and young people on the autism spectrum and who have learning disabilities, and um, I'm helping them with their PR and their communications around the garden, working with Camilla. So that's been that's been really lovely and a real privilege to be involved. Wow! <laughs> so that's really exciting. Are you going so, to be visiting yeah. Chelsea, Helen? I I will be. At Ch- I've been for the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, I also did some work with Ocean Plastic Pots, who is a friend and neighbour, and Ali makes pots out of um, uh, recycled fishing nets and ropes. So that was my first taste of Chelsea because he won the RHS Sustainable Product of the Year back in 2021. Wow. Um, so another one for you to talk oh, to. It, what, what's his name? <laughs> Write it down. Ali Mitchell, and it's Ocean Plastic Pots. And he was a commercial diver um, with no horticulture experience and... During lockdown, we sat down um, socially distanced and he came up with this idea of making plant pots out of ocean plastic waste. So, yeah. So I will be at Chelsea this year Amazing. As well. we, we, we'll meet at Chelsea, Helen. Just let me know when you're going to be there. Love to. I would love to. Um, I was also on Beach Grove last year. I got asked to, to, to go on, which was amazing. And I would love to do some more of that. Um, if the opportunity uh, came up. So if Beach Grove are listening, I think you need more young, family-friendly people at Beach Grove. <laughs> Gosh, lots to do, isn't it? There's no lots to do in this coming year. I shall be watching you very closely. But we will meet in Chelsea. We'll definitely meet in Chelsea. I'd love to come to your farm as well. Absolutely welcome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for coming over, Helen.
Um, no worries. And I'll, and we'll keep in touch and we'll keep talking. Please do. There's lots to talk about, definitely. Always. Definitely. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I look forward to next week's episode. Please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review on your podcast app. We do have some wonderful free resources on our website at thecutflowercollective.co.uk. We also have two free Facebook communities, which we'd love you to join. For farmers or those who want to be flower farmers, we have Cut Flower Farming, Growth and Profit in Your Business. And our other free Facebook group is Learn with the Cut Flower Collective for those starting out on their flower journey. All of the links are below. I look forward to getting to know you all.